How can you not like Nana Helen? <laughs> They're so bad. It's like everybody keeps doing shit that's gonna fuck them up in the long run. They just don't care. It's like why? Because that's humans. That's life. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I never got into any um, romantic relationships that like that. I told, I had I have to start with. That's like exactly what I was gonna say. To <laughs> oh man, it's something. I know a lot of people like Nana, and I'm like, it's just two overly melodramatic guys. Like, it just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. Oh, God. And then the way... They have, like, a ten-year time skip just to show how bad it's going to be in the future. (laughs) Yeah, it's a rough. Ori, did you read the same series we did? (laughs) I mean, after the ten years. Ori, one of the Nanas has been missing for, like, five years. (laughs) She's just been in the UK, probably, or maybe Dag, I don't know. Who knows? She's probably in another country, or maybe dead, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's to know? I can't guess what's, what's going to happen. That's part of being human. That's <laughs> part of being human. You might be in another country, or you might be dead. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the 11th episode of Manga in Your Ears. That song you just heard was the delightful little opening song to Princess Jellyfish, which we'll be talking about later in this podcast. But right now, our first topic is Paradise Kiss, the completed manga originally put out in the U.S. by Tokyopop and then later re-released by Vertical Comics. As usual, I'm Helen. I'm April. And I'm Corey. Yeah, so our theme for this podcast accidentally ended up being Jose manga, but we're only talking about licensed manga here because that's how this podcast rolls. I'm sorry to everybody out there who wants to hear about these new undiscovered Jose gems. Given how few Jose stories are licensed in the U.S., you're not going to be hearing about that from a podcast that focuses exclusively on legal manga. And so um, Paradise Kiss, like I said, it's a slightly older manga by Ayazawa. It came out mm, right around the turn of the millennia, actually. And it's been published in English twice, so you've got a pretty good chance at finding it um, used or in libraries these days. I think the vertical and Tokyo Pop translations were slightly different, but I don't have copies of both of them on hand to check for myself. I know that I own the vertical copies, but I think I originally read the Tokyo Pop copies, so hopefully Tokyo Pop didn't do anything weird with their translation, which they did every now and then. They probably did, yeah. I feel like they did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the plot of the story is that we have Yukari, who is this... High school student who's very diligent. She studies dutifully. She's not really interested in fashion at all. And she is accosted by some fashion students on her way home from cram school one day. She faints, which I guess is what one does when you're accosted by plenty of fabulous people. And then uh, she wakes up in their sewing studio and they're like, hey, we're students at this fashion school. and We have a fashion show coming up. Could you please model for us? Because she's very tall. Yeah, because, um, yeah, everyone keeps mistaking her for being part American, actually, since she's so tall. Um, so she actually gets a nick- nickname, Caroline or Carrie, as the series goes on. The play of that. Um, Yukari refuses at first. And then later she becomes kind of enamored of the group's leader, um, 
Georgie, who goes by George because he likes to also pretend he's foreign, I guess. And um, they have a very messy romantic relationship. I, I like vaguely remember Paradise Kiss. Uh, I've read it twice now, but I don't know why it doesn't like stick in my head, even though every time I read it, I really like it. Um, but yeah, this was unintentionally uh, a manga about like really weird people. Or an episode about really weird people. Oh yeah, since the cast of Princess Jellyfish is also kind of weird. Because yeah. I was going to say, you can tell from like the very first chapter of Paradise Kiss that the kids who go to the fashion school are all kind of odd. Yep. Or at least they all have delusions of grandeur, which is the same thing, you know? Yeah. I've, I, it's been a while since I've looked at this one. I think the last time that I looked at it is when it was out from Tokyo Pop, and I'm those volumes still uh, float around used stores and stuff like that. But it, I kind of agree with Corey. Like it, it's a, it's a good series when you read it, but for some reason it just, it just doesn't stick um, in my head as much. It's not like it's bad or anything like that, but it just, it's just one of those uh, series that sort of gets buried under all the other series that you read. Um, but I do think it's like a, a really good coming of age story and sort of, finding your way outside of people's expectations of you or, or finding out what your own expectations are of yourself, really. Yeah, I know that the beginning of the story sticks out more in my mind, but that's because mm-hmm. I had several aborted attempts to try and check out the whole series from my library, and then they did not have the full series, so I actually had to read the first volume a couple of times over the years before I managed to actually mm-hmm. read the entire series. So I think that's probably why. Since I actually do remember the ending fairly clearly, um, I've never seen the anime for this series. I don't think you guys either nope. um, have either, since it doesn't sound like it. And I think I've, I've heard seen, that the oh, I, I've seen part of. It. I don't know if I've seen all of it. It has a really good opening, I will say that. But I can't. I can't remember if I've seen all of it. Yeah, because I was thinking. I think I've heard that the anime ends slightly differently, or at least it treats some um, Yukari's relationship with George a little differently. I think, but we're only going to be talking about the manga here. So this is a manga podcast. Yep, that's why. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, this really is a coming-of-age story. It's funny because it's about high schoolers, but it's actually a Jose manga, unlike Ayazawa's um, other major work, Nana, which is about adults, but actually a shoujo manga. And it's really a coming-of-age story for Yukari more than anything else. Like, there are a couple of other kids, like Moako, um, who end up growing a lot in the series, but it's mainly Yukari, like, um, I didn't get the impression that George grew at all in the series. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he wasn't supposed to. Like it, it's so, it's pretty fuzzy for me. But maybe he was sort of there to be a catalyst for everybody else. I think that he was just like the archetypical rich playboy. And God, I seem to remember that he made some like breaking the fourth panel jokes in the manga about them having sex on screen, like. I feel like I remember oh, this. Oh, that I do actually remember. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that he did. Yeah, by and large, the story didn't get really weird, but occasionally the humor was kind of wacky. Like, in Yazawa's, like, end pages, um, where she had, like, a little bit of free space to just draw whatever she wanted. She has, like, some really weird comics that are non-canonical. They were just, like, really, really weird. <laughs> yeah, I think she goes, uh, Yazawa does the breaking the fourth wall thing in Nana, too. A little bit. So that I think that might be, like, a author tick mm. yeah i think those are the only two series by her that are licensed in english there's actually a, another manga called neighborhood story which functions a little bit as a 
prequel in the same universe to Paradise Kiss. It focuses on Milwaukee's sister as she's getting started in the fashion industry, but it's never been licensed in the U.S., so I don't know if there's equivalent amounts of fourth wall breaking there. I just remember thinking it was really dirty when George was talking about like the having sex and breaking the fourth wall, because like I was still young enough that I was like, I don't even want to know that much about sex. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> Wikipedia says that he explains himself as an equal opportunity lover. Yeah, he is bi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is bi, and um, Isabella, one of the other main characters in the cast, is trans for sure. And, uh, yeah, she she's pretty quiet in the story, so she's like one of the smaller side characters, I feel like, in that way. But the story is always very clearly like, yes, she's a woman. Yeah. She's dressed better than all of you guys. She'll make four full commenting jokes when they're actually in colorful ones, and you can see how colorful her outfits are, which doesn't work as well when the English pages lack um, color pages. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that uh, her being trans at all, or that he was bi until, like, I reread the Wikipedia page just now. <laughs> Corey! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when I, I don't just... reread things. Because it's really noticeable, it's like in the first few pages where Yukari is like meeting the group, and she's confused by Isabella at first because she's like, wait, like, woman? Man? I'm not sure. So, like, it's right there, Corey. Uh, yep. I don't doubt that. God help us. Well, I had a question for you guys, but maybe you won't remember it enough to answer it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so... Uh, Yukari's father isn't really present in the story at all, but her mother is. And I was wondering, did you guys ever feel like her mother was being really overbearing with how she's like constantly pushing Yukari to study more and go to a good college? Or did you think it was kind of reasonable that she was pushing so much when her daughter is suddenly done a 180 in her personality and decides she'd rather drop out of high school and model than continue on to college? Ooh, that's hard. Because I think I can see it from both sides where she probably as a teenager, I would have, which is probably when I read this, when I originally read this, I would have thought that she was overbearing. But now that I am not a teenager, I don't. That's a hard question because I could see as her mother um, being concerned about what her life is going to look like and all of that. But at the same time, um, at some point, you have to let people decide what their lives are going to actually look like themselves. So it's hard. Like, she's still fairly young. Mm, that's, that's that's a hard question for me to answer. I don't know what Corey thinks. Uh, yeah, except, uh, because my memory is terrible, we've established this, except on, on Wikipedia <laughs> that she was, like, this, uh, this good student. She's trying to really get into university, studying really hard. She's a senior. And then she meets all these college students that are like, you should model. Um... So like, no, I think they were high school students as well. I don't think they were college. They were high school? I assumed they were college this whole time. That was like the one thing I remembered. No, I was pretty sure it was a high school. Oh, it's just, this just Oh, the other school that they visited? Oh, I had always assumed it was a college too, come to think of it. I don't know why, maybe I just made that assumption, but I had made that assumption too that the other school was a college. <laughs> Shoot, now I'm confused. Why do I think this high school... Anyway, continue, Corey. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Yeah, sorry. Totally. (laughs) Uh, Wikipedia doesn't specify, I don't think, but it does say that it's a fashion school, so it could be, like, specifically a fashion high school. Or it could be a fashion college. Who knows? 
Uh, but anyway, that, yeah, I would think that's like a com enough of a 180 that you're concerned about what your daughter is doing, and you're just trying to find any way to get her back on the path that you think is right. Whether uh, she wants to actually do that or not is another story. But yeah, I don't think she's being overbearing, but she is perhaps going about it the wrong way. Because mm. does, does she, uh, does the mom, like, really try to ask her what she's doing and why she wants to do these things? I'm trying to remember, but I got the impression that it was because Yukari was, like, sneaking around, saying that she was studying at the library when she wasn't, and then suddenly she's dating this strange, flamboyant man with blue hair. <laughs> and... And all of that. And if he is a college student, then that would make even more sense why she's surprised. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was like there was like one or two actions her mom took which just struck me as really over the top. Like I think she hits Yukari once, maybe. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. yeah, I think I do remember that, at least from the anime, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's moments like that where I'm like, this seems like overreacting. Like the point where you start hitting people seems like overreacting usually. Yeah, you should probably not hit people. Probably not. Shoot, now the reason I thought why they were in high school is because I remember, like, really early on, um, uh, Yukari walks in on Miwako and her boyfriend Arashi having um, sex, like, on the pool table, and she seemed really shocked. And I thought she was shocked because they'd be underage, but now maybe she was just shocked because she just walked in on two people having sex on the pool table. What was happening? Like, you just walked in on two people having sex. It's not something that usually happens, especially on the pool table. I'd apologize to everyone listening for talking so much about sex, but we did say this was Jose Manga. We did say this was for adult women, so. Yeah, now I'm going to have to figure that out after after the podcast, whether or not that was a high school or not. I just always made that assumption. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was also because all the characters still live at home. Like, nobody has their own apartments except for George's, which is paid by his parents' money. Everyone still seems to be, like, living with family. Which felt oh. to me more like high school than college. Like I'd expect there to be dorms if there was a college, at least. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and I thought also part of it was that they were also all high school seniors, and that was part of what mo- motivated Yukari to become a model. That she was like, "What am I doing with my oh. life? There's all these other people my age who are, who have mm-hmm. these really great goals and dreams already, and I don't." Mm-hmm. So thematically, it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I did not expect this to be. I did not expect this to be the main discussion of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody, uh, somebody tweeted us and let us know whether or not that article was a high school or a college. <laughs> yeah, we've mentioned the anime a couple of times. Um, it's not currently in print in the U.S. It was licensed by Genyon ages ago, and then Funimation had the license briefly before um, letting it lapse. So your best bet for this really is to go find the manga. Verticals put it out in just a slim three-volume series. It's a nice trim size with good color pages, so that one's really worth finding if you can't just find the old Tokyo Pop volumes at your library instead. I think those volumes have- are still in print, too, right? Ones? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, which I thought that that was a surprising license by them, too. I mean, I don't think it's been that I mean, it's been some years, but I don't think it's been that long ago they licensed it. I remember like being really surprised. But they also had other uh, Jose series coming out at the same time, so I guess it made sense. I just was really particularly surprised that they rescued that one, especially because I thought they tended not to rescue. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, they don't do many rescues. Um, I think they rescued it around 2012 or so, because I remember I went to Animazement in 2012 or 2013, and there were some girls who were giving an Ayazawa panel, 
and they were saying it was out of print and everything because they didn't know about the vertical relicenses. So I had to interrupt them in the middle of the panel to be like, it's actually licensed. <laughs> and in print. <laughs> yeah. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, you can buy the first, or those vertical volumes on Amazon, or not Amazon, well, probably on Amazon, but on Right Stuff. Or you can buy the first, second, and fourth volumes of the Tokyo Pop version on Right Stuff. Well, you're missing some critical story elements, though, if you don't get the middle and the end. <laughs> Although, the translations between them are different. I do remember that. I I might have, like, flipped through a vertical one, or maybe folks talked about it when the vertical one first came out. But, like, at least in the uh, Tokyo Pop one, who, who one of the, was it yours that has, like, Maybe it's not George. Maybe it's the other guy with the spiky hair. It has like a a British accent thing going on. I feel like that stuff like didn't carry over to the vertical one. But don't quote me because I cannot remember. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I could see that being either of the characters. George because he acts kind of stuck up and pompous. Arashi because he's really going for that punk vibe, that punk vibe, which I could see being like a British punk vibe. Mm. Yeah, I, I I feel like Tokyo Pop's version had like some slang that was a little more dated for the time that it came out here, and then it didn't carry over to the vertical one. But again, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there was a difference in translation between the two. So, uh, at least from what I remember, I actually prefer the Tokyo Pop one just because of that. But eh, still <laughs> get the same story. <laughs> yeah, so any final thoughts? We haven't even touched on the multiple love triangles in this series, like the multiple interconnecting love triangles. But I feel like the readers should probably just experience those more for themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really liked the manga. I thought it was a good uh... A good manga about growing up and identity and stuff. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with Corey. I think this is a, a really good one, and I think that uh, Yazawa really captures sort of like being at that age where you're kind of trying to figure out your own path, and your parents are sort of wondering what you're doing, and you're running around with uh, kids that are different, and et cetera, et cetera, and just trying to sort of find your own way. It's that that first relationship and how it changes you and then i think it helps too that this is a shorter series so it's not something that goes on for volumes and volumes of volume not that's necessarily a bad thing um but this is a pretty condensed uh coming of age story and it's a good introduction to uh yazawa um in terms of some of her um artistic tics i guess so yeah the shorter um length is definitely one of the reasons why i prefer this series to nana because nana is pretty long and honestly this series has some bad relationships in there but nana's got even more of them and just oh, gosh. at least they're all portrayed <laughs> at least they're all portrayed as like relationships where you realize oh this is not healthy for the characters in the long run that's true that's true, that's true. yeah that's, that's definitely a difference <laughs> between those two series yeah <laughs> yeah also you know 21 volumes or something and we'll never end because but the it, manga it's trees. so it's so good. <laughs> I know. I I'm going to have to disagree with y'all on that. I don't think it's good. <laughs> but that's probably the topic for another podcast. So when we come back, we will have similarly decisive opinions on Princess Jellyfish, I predict. <laughs>
back for the second half of our podcast. Um, now we're going to talk about um, Princess Jellyfish. Um, this is a Jose, another Jose manga. Um, it's illustrated by Akiko Hagishimura. Um, it was Princess Jellyfish was pretty popular before it was licensed, um, and then Kodansha picked it up for um, an omnibus release. So the basic premise of this one. Um, is a girl that's pretty much obsessed with jellyfish. Her name is Tsukimi, um, and her mother passed away, but one of sort of the memories that she has with her mother is going to an aquarium and looking at jellyfish. Jellyfish, she sort of carries that memory with her, um, and she lives in an apartment building with, I think it is four other women, and they're all kind of otaku and nerdy, um, one likes trains, one likes dolls. They all sort of each have their own specific quirk. Um, but the main thing that they have in common is they <laughs> they don't really interact with other people. Um, they're kind of nerdy, and I guess the only other word I can think of is maybe a little frumpy at times. I don't think that's the best way to describe them. But they're just sort of um, socially isolated from the outside world, but they sort of have each other. Um, and... Uh, one of the major parts of the story is that Tsukimi meets um, another a character um, that's, that's what's the best way to put it? I guess that's, that's a young man that's dressed as a woman that's very stylish and very fashionable, uh, pretty much the opposite of the girls in the apartment building. And they sort of form a relationship. And Tsukimi sort of learns how to uh, form relationships with people outside of the apartment building and also sort of learn how to like herself. Um, it's an interesting series. It's, it's, I think, um, becoming one of my favorites. Um, I don't feel like the relationships are as complex as, uh, maybe what we talked about in Paradise Kiss, but it's, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but it's, it's a, I feel like it's a little bit lighter, but it, it still feels true to life and it's it's a little more feel good i'm not quite sure where i'm going with that so i'll have to let you all jump in about about what you thought about this one yeah i would definitely say more feel good even though i think almost every character in the series has anxiety and like bad anxiety frankly oh oh, oh yes that much is obvious <laughs> yeah since all the um all the girls who live together in this apartment building um they're all meets basically who refers to themselves as the amars nuns and are just kind of terrified of really dealing with people in general. Like, they have all these moments where they're like, oh, no, it's one of the stylish, since they can't even mm. bear to be around stylish women. And, of course, considering that Kuranosuke cross-dresses as a very stylish woman, he, that does not endear him to them. And they also do not know he's a guy, since they have attitudes which range from indifference to men to hatred. Yeah. Since the, there's that there's that fifth lady who lives there, the... The yaoi mangaka who never comes out of her room and she hates never men. Comes, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that they hate more than, than the stylish women is men in general. Or real ta- <laughs> or real estate developers who are trying to like buy their apartment complex and turn it into a stylish mall. They do not like those people either. And she's also a stylish woman, so it's like double whammy there. Yeah, the main the main antagonist there, um, what was it? Inari? Because they made some jokes about her being a fox. Yeah, Shoko Inari. Who, um, it's kind of nasty in some other ways to one of the side characters in the series. She's terrible. I mean, she's really bad. She's a little insidious. Uh, like blackmailing people. Yeah. 
Yeah, although we should note that even though Skimmy is one of these quote-unquote nuns, she does actually fall for Kronosuke's older brother. Like, Skimmy's 18. Shoo, Kronosuke's older half-brother is like 30. Come on, girl, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but Kronosuke Kron- has fallen for Tsukimi. Yeah. Uh-huh, obviously. Yep. And he's like, he does not... He can't grasp that he likes a girl that is not stylish, and he compares the before Tsukimi and the after Tsukimi, and he's like, how can I, why am I having these feelings with the before Tsukimi? And I'm like, well, you idiot, that's because not everything is surface level, but I don't think he's gotten that far yet. I mean, even his cross-dressing isn't fully surface level. Like, he's doing it partially just so he can avoid the politics, since his family is a political family. I think, like, his uncle is the prime minister. And so Kronoski's thinking is, aha, if I cross-dress, this will be too scandalous for me to be a politician, therefore I'm safe. Well, he cross-dresses, so he's not a male, is the thing. Well, it's it's not so much that. I think it is just because it would be really scandalous if it got out. And before 2017, I would have said, yeah, that's a good way to avoid being a politician. But <laughs> and he also does it to feel a little closer to his mother, who he hasn't known for quite a few years, who had just these wonderful, stylish outfits. Since um, that's it's a side plot, for the part of the um, story, the anime covers. I don't know if it comes up more later since I haven't read much beyond that. But Kronosuke is also trying to find his mother since he's been separated from her for a while. And, um, but in the meantime, he's kind of attracted to Skinny and the other Mars because he really wants to give them makeovers. <laughs> he really wants to make them stylish. Yeah, so that's a good question. How many volumes have we all read? Um, I am halfway through the third omnibus. So I'm not super, super far, but once I start, once I picked it up, I was like, I have to, like, I, this week, I went to Barnes and Noble and I was like, you know what? I have, like, I have to get more of this. I'm like, they've mm-hmm. got the bot, you get the third free. I'm just going to get more of it. It's really like, it's really that part of it is because it's, it's life. So it's a, it's a faster read, even with the omnibus release. Um, but yeah, I'm about, I'm about, so that would be how many volumes? Five-ish? I'm about five volumes in because each omnibus is two volumes. Yeah, this is really embarrassing, but I only read the ma- manga, like, after the anime came out, so I was reading the scanlations then. So I don't remember how far that is in corresponds to volumes. I did get through everything the anime had covered, and then, like, the first major arc after that, where they meet, like, another girl who kind of becomes one of the nuns. She, like, has a really terrible mouth. She kind of shit-talks everybody, and she loves sewing clothes for her dolls, so they're trying to, like, start up a fashion line. So that's as far as I've gotten in the series. Yeah, I haven't gotten that far. That's totally new to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you have to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. How far are you for? Uh, I'm about three quarters of the way through the second omnibus. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I I read that far in about an hour. Like I sat at my desk around six when we started recording at seven. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know you were reading some on Sunday as well before we recorded the Taiku podcast. So. Yeah, I finished that volume on Sunday. And then I just didn't read it again until today. <laughs> yeah, oh, and I would like to point out at this point that you can actually read, I think, everything on Crunchyroll's website and Crunchyroll manga. If not everything, then pretty darn close, since they've been simulpumping that for quite a while. If it was still there, and I'd meant to look, and then I went to Barnes, I was like, oh, you know, I could have just gone on the Crunchyroll website, but I was already there, so I just 
I think it's still there, though. I don't think they've yeah, taken it down. Yeah, I wonder if it's if it's not there anymore, I apologize for sending people to the wrong place. <laughs> oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at it. There's also the Barnes & Noble 2 for 3 sale going on right now. And today mm-hmm. is uh, December 20th. And if you buy Omnibuses, that means you basically <laughs> get four vol- You basically get six volumes for the price of four. Exactly. Ish. Uh-huh. Plus tax. Well, I, I know for this particular series, at least before it was licensed, people asked for it a lot. And I, I mm-hmm. felt like there was this idea that, like, it, if they... People, ugh, if I can get it out, licensors seem like they were afraid to pick it up because maybe people wouldn't buy it. And so now that we're further along into it, I wonder uh, if it was as popular as they hoped or as many people that asked for it or that read the scanlations or whatever actually picked it up. I think uh, Not that we would know that, but... Well, I think Kodansha has actually answered that either like online or on a panel, and they said it was exceeding expectations, if I remember. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard that as well because yeah, they were really recalcitrant to license yeah. it. Like everybody was like, yeah. "No, Jose won't <laughs> sell in the U.S. We've tried; it's not going to work." And now look and at now, Princess Jellyfish. Yeah, and now they've even licensed um, the manga cause most recent series on Togo Tartabara Girls, and they did that digital only. And now they're going to be giving it a print release as well. So yeah. clearly, oh, Jose yeah, is selling going to get a print. It got a lot of good oh, press from the the digital release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I'm on the Crunchyroll website now, and sorry, I mean to cut you off. It looks like you can read 16 volumes here. Um, and I can't remember. There's 16 on Crunchyroll, and it says that on Wikipedia it says there are 17 total. So I wonder if maybe there's just one that's not on Crunchyroll. I don't know, but there's at least 16 that you can go and read now if you have the manga subscription. Yeah, and um, Kodansha's putting out the last volume in the U.S. pretty soon. So if you start reading now, you'll be in the perfect place to catch up at the end, one way or another. <laughs> so there are 17 volumes total, and it completed in August of this year. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, Funimation so. had that Noitamina anime for 11 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe Crunchyroll's just been slow, because they've been really slow to update their manga recently. Mm-hmm. I don't even yeah, know but, how many people know about their manga. Uh, we're not going to talk about how Crunchyroll has just abandoned their manga side in this podcast. <laughs> not going to do that tonight. It's a new episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have to admit, one of the reasons I haven't been as interested in Tokyo Tarabara Girls is similar to why I haven't been as interested in Princess Jellyfish. It's that the characters are adults, but they don't feel like me. Like, these are all characters who have, like, way more anxiety than I have, way more social anxiety than I have, for sure. And just... <laughs> complain a lot about their living situations and have weird attitudes about men. So uh, this series has never struck with me quite as much as mm. it has of other people. I think it says something that Kronosuke is like by far my favorite character in the series. <laughs> he gets a lot. He is a great guy, though. Yeah, he's like a spark for everybody else to actually get out of their shells and do something besides uh, read the Three Kingdoms again or look at trains or <laughs> look at old men. That one's a really weird mm. Yeah. <laughs> like not judging you can like what you like but i'm judging a little yeah but we are um oh, it's not king shaming we're um favorite shaming <laughs> favorite hobbit shaming hobby shaming <laughs> I think yeah i like Rondoske because he's like proactive he wants to do things and he approaches yeah. some things really practically like he tells the amars you know okay look if 
if you want people to take you seriously, you have to dress like they should take you seriously. So if you know how to wear nice clothes and walk in good heels, people are going to take you more seriously. And that will help you keep this apartment complex from being destroyed. Yeah. Like, I respect that. And everyone else is kind of aloof toward the concept of their apartment being destroyed until, like, <laughs> it actually gets into their head that this could happen. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they show up at, like, the neighborhood meeting, like, completely soaked from the rain because they didn't think to bring umbrellas and everything. It's like, first impressions really do matter, guys. Yep. Well, I think, I think, you go ahead. I was about to change topics. That, oh, no, you're fine. I think one of the things that he provides them to is sort of... Uh, like concrete steps they can follow so they all seem like they're pretty anxious or just sort of like you said aloof and I think he just comes and, and sort of uh, slowly figures out what each of their strengths is and then gives them like concrete steps to get things done I felt like a lot of um, a lot of anxious stuff causes people to just sort of go in circles and just talk about stuff and do the same things. And he sort of comes along like, look, you need to do this and this and this. And this is what you're good at. So you go over here and you go over here. And it gets them sort of working together at the things that I feel like are good at. So I that's, I think that's part of the reason um, he's such a spark for them, too. Yeah. It's like that in growing the Yaoi mangas. How they uh, all come together as a one apartment unit. <laughs> one apartment unit. Yeah. I think my second favorite character is Clara, who is um, Skimmy's jellyfish. Oh. Um, <laughs> That's how she and Kronosuke need. Um, she rescues this jellyfish. And then this jellyfish continues to provide snarky commentary explaining the Amars throughout the rest of the anime and manga. So, the snarky jellyfish is great. <laughs> um, I forget the brother's name. I don't know. I, suddenly, I just don't remember his name now. But he's one of Shoo. my favorite characters. And I don't... What? What is his name? Shu. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's like... I don't know why he just sort of... Every time he... He comes on, I tend to laugh. And then the guy that's, like, obsessed with Ben's is, like, he just, I just really think he's, he's, he's I don't know, there's something really deadpan about him, and he, he's funny. Yeah, I do think that's one thing that the show, on well, the story, makes clear, is that everyone can kind of be a nerd, but some people are better at hiding at it than others. Like, it's the chauffeur for Kronoski's family who really likes the Benzes, and he has, like, this otaku-level obsession with his Benzes, like, don't touch it, I just waxed it, you can't touch it for an hour. I mean, that's kind of, well, what's, go ahead. Uh, uh, that's kind of like acceptable nerdy, nerdy things. That's like true. you can't dress up as an anime character or a superhero character at a Comic-Con, but you can dress up as like a super racist caricature at a Washington football game and that's okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I always found it really <laughs> weird that like painting yourself for sports games is not considered weird. The painting yourself for an anime con is weird. Like, I feel like they should just both be weird or both be normal. They're both weird. Mm -hmm. But, like, they're cool weird. Unless you're racist. That's not cool. Yeah, we're not going to talk about, like... (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to talk about the Washington Potatoes any more than we need to. If you're dressing up as a bear, that's cool. Besides, the Washington Potatoes aren't even a good football team, so... That's true. Oh, is there the uncle or something in there? It's like... The uh the older guy that always acts weird when I forget the main guy's name. Whenever he comes around, like they just act funny, or they like he like um acts like a character off of TV or something. Do you, do you all know what I'm talking about at all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah I think. Yeah, I think he's his uncle. If not, he's another family relative. But yeah. Well, 
Like, what is his? Does he have an obsession? Like, what is his? Or is he just, like, silly? <laughs> I think he's just silly. I don't know. Oh, okay. He could be an anime otaku, because he does, like, a couple of hand gestures and stuff, which I think were supposed to be references to Gundam or something. Hmm. Yeah, I can never figure out what his deal was. He might yeah. just be weird. The weird gag. with yeah. bad approval ratings. Uh, the gag on the latest volume. In the second omnibus, he recognized Jigen when the, when the girl who wears kimonos... I mentioned him. He's like, of course I would know Jigen, so maybe he's a secret anime otaku. Or a loop on otaku. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure out what his deal was, and I was like, I think maybe he's just weird, but everybody else seemed to have um, a particular uh, a particular quirk, so um, I wasn't sure if maybe I just missed it. You gotta have your interests. <laughs> yeah, to quirk, it was just too obscure for us American otakus. <laughs> That's probably that's probably what it was. I thought that they even even made a reference to like um, a Japanese idol group. I can't remember what group it is now, but maybe he, yeah, maybe he's just nerdy in a way that we completely missed. Oh, and that reminds me. Um, the opening song for the anime is really cute, and the opening animation is hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's making references to all these different movies, like Star Wars and um, ET. I think it's, it's making references to all those things. Yeah, and it's because I actually realized it when I was reading the manga. Um, I think Justin did a whole post about it. It's because the chapters in the manga are also references to movie titles. That's where it all comes in. What? What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like opening one of the books right now. (laughs) What? Chapter one is sex and the Amars. Chapter Uh two is pretty woman. Mm -hmm. Chapter three is Sukiyaki Western Django. Mm -hmm. Four and Kingdom. Vampires from Amars, take me out to the aquarium. Uh, clear and present danger. I want to be a jellyfish. Seven sisters. Fatal attraction. Driving Mr. Hanamori in the closets. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's totally. I totally missed that. I'm looking at it now like, yeah, they sure are. <laughs> yeah, way over my head. I almost I never read the chapter titles. So that's probably why. <laughs> yeah, same. And not every manga has chapter titles. But yeah, so if anyone listening had ever seen the anime and thought, this opening is cute, but I wonder why the heck they did this, since no one's even a movie otaku in the cast, that's why. The anime staff were playing a very high level to game. Justin pulling out the steps by reading chapter <laughs> titles. Oh, no, no, it's because I told Justin that's what was going on, and then he uh, did the article on it. Oh, uh, okay, great. Yeah, we thought, well, yeah. Oh, my gee. I don't know, this, it, this, it definitely reminds me of, I don't know, there's just something of about it that reminds me of like a manga that I would have read when I was a teenager even even like the chapter breaks like the 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 images that she draws of the characters like they just it just seems really familiar to me maybe I think of it like when I was sort of like young and reading Sailor Moon and the chapter breaks in those and the cute images of all the characters it just feels like really familiar I guess so I've I've really I've really enjoyed this one yeah I do need to give it another shake someday like I just need to sit down and binge on the Crunchyroll manga, I guess, over the next week while we have all those days off for the holidays. I really mm. do need to give it another shake, since I do like the anime a lot. Although part of it's because I find the opening and the ending songs both really cute and horrible. So where does the anime stop? I don't remember um, where it corresponds to volumes or anything, since when you read Scanlage, and you're just kind of going chapter by chapter and don't realize when the volumes stop or start. Mm-hmm. In my defense, it was like another five years before the manga was licensed, okay? (laughs) 
Yeah, but it, I mean, at least we got it. Yeah, because people, I mean, I don't know if Code Francisco has it now, just because I'm not on there as much anymore, but they would take uh, questions on Tumblr a lot years ago, and it, it seemed like people just, like, asked that so often. I feel like there was mm-hmm. even a tag for Princess Jellyfish, and you would click it, it was just people asking over and over again, like, please, please, we'll buy it, please. <laughs> Oh, one thing I will say is that the anime ends slightly different than how that manga chapter concludes, because um, it looks like things are clear and free for the Amars at the end of the anime, but they are not in the manga. So uh, happy yeah. reading, guys, as you guys get to that point. Well, it seems like we've had a, a lot to say about this one. Is, are there sort of any closing thoughts? Did we miss anything? Yeah, Crown, Nosuke, and Clara are definitely the best characters in the series. <laughs> the jellyfish! <laughs> She's super cute. The jellyfish, that is. Yep. Also, this um, series did make me appreciate jellyfish and aquariums more. Yeah, she talks, like, really passionately about it. I'm like, I don't know. I've never really looked at jellyfish like that before. It makes me think the next time I go to an aquarium, I'll, like, really kind of take more of a look at him. She's, she's really passionate about those. I didn't get the same thing for the Three Kingdoms or Kimono or Old Men, but uh, <laughs> the jellyfish sucks, so... <laughs> yeah, when we... Um, but- when we went to the Baltimore Aquarium, we beelined it for the jellyfish, and then we later found out that was not the way you're supposed to go. The Baltimore Aquarium is really good, though, so... Yep. Good thing you guys took advantage of that while we were out of still in Baltimore. Yep. That was nice. Um, I don't know if I have any... Let's see. I like this one. The omnibuses are nice. Um, and people should pick it up. <laughs> um, it's, it's cute. I definitely think um, even younger readers could pick this one up too, say for the very evil um, construction lady. <laughs> Beyond that, um, I think this is a, a, a good pickup, and I would recommend it to folks. Um, but I think that that pretty much uh, wraps us up for this week. Um, where can we find you all online? Let's see. You can find me at Wandering Dreamer on Twitter. You can find me reviewing lots and lots of anime, uh, no, of manga and light novels over at the OASG, and also co-hosting the OASG podcast over there with Justin. And I am doing 12 Days of Anime over at my blog, Narrative Investigations. Um, I just posted my very hot take posts of an anime that disappointed me. So if you want hot takes, please go to my blog. You will not be disappointed. I thought they were shit posts. That was the first day. <laughs> the, fir- the first day was one anime I strip watched, because Vatican Miracle Bros, yo, that was... That was a thing. All right. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Hagan Passion at K, and I do another podcast called the Taiku Podcast, uh, which is usually about sports anime. There's a loose definition of sports in the show. Mm. <laughs> I mean, recently I've usually only had sports anime. I don't know. MMO Junkie wasn't really a sports anime. That was kind of like a game <laughs> anime, but. That's the two car episode, though, and next. Oh. Anime. Ah, I see. Yep. Sneaking in expert anime. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, and then you can mostly find me on Twitter at Manji over and then of course I'm here with you guys. But um we will be back uh in two weeks after the holidays. Um we will be talking about food. So even after the holidays, we will still be here to discuss food. So <laughs> we will see you all um a little bit after the new year. Bye you guys. Bye everyone. Goodbye. Hold
なくした」